Welcome to In Conversation, the podcast that fuels your entrepreneur spirit. Brought to you by Inhomoko. We deliver thought-provoking conversations with industry leaders, game changers, and unsung heroes, all making an impact in their communities and shaping the future of business. Let's grow together and transform the world, one business at a time. My name is William Kabonzisa, and I serve as the Managing Director for Inkomoko in South Sudan. We are honored and excited to speak with you today. Please share more about yourself and your current role within the Office of South Sudan Commission for Refugee Affairs. Yes, my name is John Dambi. I work as the Deputy Commissioner for the Commission of Refugees Affairs, uh, Ministry of Interior, Republic of South Sudan. It's an opportunity for us to interact this morning to share ideas about the refugee interventions and um, refugee investment in the country, which is related to the work that Inkomoko is doing in South Sudan. The Commission for Refugee Affairs was established by presidential decree and by South Sudan's Refugee Act 2012. Tell us more about the key pillars of the Commission and its overall mandate. The Commission for Refugees Affairs is mandated to provide protection to the refugees and asylum seekers in the country. It's also mandated to provide oversight and monitoring of the interventions that support refugees in the country, and also to ensure durable solutions are developed and established for the refugees in the country. Those are some of the areas of our focus and uh, areas of mandate that we undertake uh, as a commission in this country. South Sudan has recently acceded to both 1951 Convention on Refugees and 1967 Protocol. Can you elaborate more on that? Uh, what it does is that the convention provides you with an international framework that helps you to provide uh, protection, also using the national legal framework. The national legal framework was uh, developed and passed by the parliament in 2012, uh, and it was drafted in the spirit of the 1951 convention, which actually really gives us the mandate to provide protection. In relation to the whole region, you may talk of the IGAD region, which is eight countries, and then you talk of East Africa community, which is also seven countries now, which South Sudan is a part of. We're trying to have a common policy related to refugees in order to address the challenges because the regional context permits people of the same member states to move from one area to another without any restriction. The regional context is important uh, when we're talking about the uh, 1951 convention in relation to the, the national legal frameworks, uh, which is the Refugee Act in, in South Sudan. During the World Refugee Day 2023, you have encouraged refugees to take advantage of opportunities offered by the South Sudan's progressive refugee law. For those who may not be familiar, briefly, what are the opportunities offered by the South Sudanese refugee law? The South Sudan Refugee Act 2012 actually emphasize a greater opportunity for refugees on self-reliance, on uh, potential to seek opportunities of uh, job, and they can seek job and, and work without any restrictions. They have freedom of movement. They have uh, access to everything in terms of land to cultivate as a part of the livelihood activities that are built into the framework of the refugees. Currently, we host refugees. Actually, some are in the rural context and some are in the urban context. The rural context, we encourage them 
so far to cultivate through agricultural activities and, and, and production, and then be able to sustain uh, food security and also to sell so that they become economically viable. Because what is happening is now the international community, like now the world food has cut down food by 50%. Now that has affected the livelihood of the uh, refugees. So we want the refugees to take the opportunity of the flexibility of our, of our law to be able to build on this and become self-reliant and then also make opportunity of business to empower themselves and then to be able to pay school fees and actually contribute. And that's what you really would like to emphasize so that become self-reliant. And that's more a dignity. A dignified refugee is a refugee who actually has potential and rights like any other citizen in the country. And uh, that's primarily the basics for our legal framework, the Refugee Act 2012, which really provides an opportunity and a space for refugees to become self-reliant, to have access to agricultural land. That's more of a durable solution because when they go back, they go with something. They go with the education, they go with the skills, they go with the resources and, and, and so on. And also be able to integrate. Like we talk now, actually, the Congolese in Makondu, in Yambio, are more or less integrated because they are all the same community from the Zande of Congo and then the Zande of South Sudan. They live together. There is a, a very good uh, agricultural activity going on because the land is also very fertile. So that's the example I can give you in relation to the question you asked. We have recently opened our first office in South Sudan to provide micro and small refugee and host community businesses with advisory services and access to finance. We have been lucky to engage with many innovative individuals who are growing businesses in different areas like retail sales, agribusiness, food processing. From your perspective, what are some of the key challenges entrepreneurs in refugee and host communities are facing? What are the recommendations do you believe will address one or two of those challenges? Yeah, actually, um, this is a very good question. There are a lot of challenges facing not only the refugees, but all the South Sudan citizens in terms of business and entrepreneurship. First of all, really, um, the road conditions are so challenging. You, you know, to go from one point A to point B takes a long time and it's very expensive, so costly to travel within the country. But those who are established within the areas uh, like city centers like Juba, those ones, we need to encourage them to build their skills, knowledge, and potentials to be able to go beyond the usual petty business, to have a bigger picture of what they can do as a business community to get more profit making, to also benefit the rest of the other refugees. Because I think if one refugee or two form establish what you call cooperatives within their, their circles, they can be able to really perform. And, uh, and, and with the help of ECOMO uh, plans that really started last year towards the end of the year, uh, I think we can do a lot. And then I think we can help many more refugees venture into sustainable business projects. And, and that will help the refugees and also the host community can learn from them because I think the host community is also involved in the microfinancing. Then both communities can then work together and learn from each other and be able to sustain their business and uh, be able to benefit their communities, the children and learning in schools, for example.
in the recent Global Refugee Forum that took place in Geneva, December 2023, the government of South Sudan shared its six pledges and requested a collective action and matching support from humanitarian development, peace actors, civil society members, in order to achieve, to achieve those pledges. Please share with the audience about the commitment of the government of South Sudan and then the collective action needed from the stakeholders. Right, the pledges were six that South Sudan committed itself to ensure in the next four years. Uh, one is peace building, which is a very important key priority in the country. The second one is education, quality, improving quality and expanding space for more children from refugees to enroll. The third one is actually livelihood, and that's where your institution really comes in strongly to support this particular pledge. And then the fourth one is about climate change, which is a global context. And uh, you've seen of late how uh, the whole world is now embracing this uh, particular concept to avoid or particular uh, event, to avoid uh, the challenges of climate change, flooding and, and, and drought and so on. The fifth one was actually to do with documentation and uh, machine readable documents so that the refugees who are engaged in business can have access to ID cards that they can use in the bank, banking's financial systems. And, and that's where I think I wanted to emphasize your institution coming in to work with the business community, the entrepreneurs, to be able to establish with the Ministry of Interior the perspective of having you know, ID cards, which are machine readable, or passports, uh, this uh, CTD, which are machine readable. Uh, because without that, then they, they cannot use for business, they cannot have loan in the bank, they cannot even you know, be able to bank their profits and so on. So I think the main area of your focus are two uh, issues of ID cards, uh, which are really can be used in the financial institutions, plus the livelihood context, because the livelihood context, and I think your investment should be really focusing on the livelihood of the community, of the refugees, and training them and building their skills so that they become, it's become a holistic approach. And then it should not also just be, you know, piecemeal uh, intervention. It should be uh, linked to the whole process of the, of the GRF, which the government is running, so that in the future, if you run out of resources or you are not there anymore, the, the sustainability will be, will be uh, felt. And then you can sustain this through the, the, the development context of the, of the government uh, intervention. As we wrap up, could you share a personal insight or a success story that reflects the positive impact of the efforts uh, to support and uh, protect refugees in South Sudan? The successful stories actually about hosting refugees and protecting refugees in the country are many. You can cite several examples, but I'm going to focus on three. The first one is really the legal frameworks allows refugees to have a freedom of uh, business, freedom of movement, freedom of chances and opportunities to do their own things. And then it also allows refugees to get jobs within South Sudan without intensive or restriction on job permits. So that's, that's a very positive thing that uh, refugees in South Sudan enjoy. Uh, the second thing is that there is a lot of opportunity for livelihood, and this can be used by refugees and then by partners to support the government to ensure that refugees are 
self-reliant and, and that dignified. So I want to emphasize this dignified context. Uh, and then the third one is really the refugees in South Sudan do not stay in the camps like they are restricted. There is an integrated approach to our uh, management or, or settlement of refugees. So they live alongside uh, the host communities. And that's paramount because then they feel they are part of the community. They have the same medical facilities, same schools, same uh, opportunities and same environment. And they live together. The peaceful coexistence that, that is between them. And because simply the South Sudanese, many of them were refugees before. So they are coming back to start the country. They see anybody coming as a refugee that they will not deprive the person or make them undignified. They, they really make sure refugees are well uh, cared for. And that's a, that's a typical example you can see now. Even the people from onward movers who came from Kakuma the other last year, towards the end of last year, they are well accommodated. They were taken care of. They were not deported back to, to Kakuma, although they were refugees from already in Kakuma registered. Because our regional context says once you are registered in, in one of the, the countries, according to East African community, unless you have a family reunion issue, then you can't move from one, one area to another. But if, if, if you move freely to another country, then there must be a reason. So we as South Sudanese have accommodated this group. So those are really some of the practical testimony and positive aspect of hosting refugees in South Sudan. Thank you so much, Honorable uh, John Dabi, for your time. It was a very exciting uh, podcast, and uh, we are so excited uh, to share with our audience. And uh, as Ecopoco in South Sudan, we are so committed to cooperate and to work closely with the Commissioner for Refugee Affairs as a partner. Thank you so much for it. At Inhomoko, we are dedicated to empowering entrepreneurs across Africa with the tools, resources, and knowledge they need to flourish in today's competitive business landscape. Now we're bringing that passion to this podcast, taking you on a journey through inspiring stories from around the globe.